Years ago, I was able to go hiking in Denali National Park in Alaska. Denali was unlike any other park I had been to. First of all, the only way to get in the park was to ride on one of the park's buses on the single road that ran through the park. One road in, same road out. As you rode in the bus, if you wanted to stop and hike, you just pulled a cord that was by the windows. I had never seen landscape like this. I had expected snow-capped mountains and, and beautiful lakes like Mirror Lake. But as we drove, it was just wilderness, just tundra, a few bushes. It was so exposed, it actually made it really easy to see some cool wildlife. We saw a herd of caribou. And then as we're driving along, someone says, look, look over there on that, that ridge. And it, I think it's a bear. And, and it was. It was a grizzly bear. At that point, my dad pulls the cord and says, this is where we're going to stop and hike. My sisters were like, oh, that was kind of a cool bear when we were inside the bus. But now, out here, you want us to hike here? It seems a little scary. We're so exposed, there's not anywhere for us to hide. We don't know how many friends that bear has around. This is certainly not the wilderness hike I was wanting. Most of us have experienced wilderness in some forms in our life. Those seasons when we were rejected or betrayed, disappointed, hurting, as believers in Jesus, though, we have to remember that as awful as the wilderness feels and seems, we need to be reminded of some truths about the wilderness. To help us with that today, we are going to read a story from the book of Genesis about a slave woman and her son who overnight find themselves stuck in the middle of a wilderness. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts, may they be pleasing and acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Before our text, what we know is that a 75-year-old man named Abraham and his wife Sarah have been told that they are going to be, make a great nation, but Sarah is having a hard time getting pregnant. And so she tells Abraham, you can have my slave girl, Hagar. And so Hagar conceives and she gives birth to a son and she names him Ishmael. Later, Sarah is able to get pregnant and gives birth to another son named Isaac. And everything seems to be going okay. But on the day that Isaac was to be weaned and a great festival is to be held, Sarah sees Ishmael and Isaac playing together, and she sees Ishmael laugh. In that moment, we don't know what it was, but she became worried that that child would do something to affect the inheritance of her child. And so she goes and tells Abraham they have to leave. Our text picks up that morning that they leave. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder 
along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she cast the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him, a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, do not let me look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid. For God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Come, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. She went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. We are not given a lot of details about these two characters, Hagar and Ishmael, up to this point. All we are told is that one day Sarah sees Ishmael laughing with her son Isaac, and then it affects her so much that she tells Abraham to kick them out. What I want us to first note is that there was no justification. There was no fair reason why Hagar and Ishmael experienced the wilderness. They had not done anything right or wrong. It's not as if Ishmael had not laughed at that time with that person watching that things would have turned out differently. This is the first truth about the wilderness. When we are there, the question of why can seldom be answered this side of heaven. The wilderness chapters in our story, they're rarely fair or just or logical. But in the wilderness, as followers of Jesus, we have to remember God is for us, even when it does not seem so. For Hagar, the wilderness was a life of rejection. She was a slave with no agency, no voice. The wilderness was proof that she would be separated from the community, that she would be isolated, and she was desperate. I wonder what Hagar would have titled her story in that moment. Would it have been the one treated unfairly? Or would it have been God done forgot me? I imagine Hagar She must have tried to find silver linings, something that gave her hope to hold on, to keep taking step after step. Well, at least Abraham was kind enough to give us bread and water. At least he let me take my son with us. And she wanders around in that wilderness without direction, just letting those few things that she has sustain her. What do you do when you wander about in the wilderness? I imagine we wander around like Hagar, searching for something to give us hope and relief and something that is just better 
than this wilderness that we're in. We search for silver linings. Have you done that over the past eight months? This pandemic is, has given us more time to make connections with people. This has made, given us more opportunities to, to get in touch with folks that we hadn't been able to, to do so before COVID-19. Oh, this pandemic has allowed us to have time with family and all those house projects that we finally were able to get to. We've looked for those silver linings. But friends, this is not just a story about a woman wandering in the wilderness. In the wilderness, we reach a point where all of those silver linings, all those resources and ideas that we thought could sustain us, we realize they are not enough. That we realize and that maybe is God for us? Hagar realizes at some point that the water is gone and that there's nothing left to sustain her son. She knows that they are going to die. I imagine that she waits until her son is sleeping and she's there with him under a bush. And then realizing that this is the end, she gets up and leaves him. And she walks about a football field away and sits opposite him. She doesn't want to have to see the death, but close enough to where she is not too far. And the text says that she sits opposite him and she weeps loudly. I guess at some point Ishmael must have woken up. Maybe it was because the warmth had left him or maybe he was thirsty. But we know that Ishmael began to cry. Y'all, this is a wilderness story that none of us want to be in. And yet the truth is, so many of us are. According to the CDC, in April, May, and June of this year, diagnoses of folks with anxiety disorder tripled. And with depressive disorder, it quadrupled compared to the same quarter last year. Substance abuse, mental health, and suicidal ideation are all rapidly increasing. One of our foster agencies here in Austin had a 40% increase in need for placement of children last weekend. These are all facts about our current situation. But friends, as people of faith, we must keep reading the story, holding fast that even in the wilderness, God is for us. Hagar sits down, weeping opposite her son, and the text reads that God hears the voice of her son where he is, right in the midst of the pain and despair and physical thirst. God hears. And God speaks to Hagar and says, What troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid. We must hold on to the promises that God will be with us, even in the most agonizing and desperate times. The psalmist writes in the 23rd Psalm, Yea, though I walk through the valleys of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, because you always take me out of the valley. 
You always like to snatch me right out of there and rescue me from the wilderness whenever I call your name. Oh, if that is only what the psalmist wrote. The psalmist wrote, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Friends, God is for us. Before Jesus began his ministry, he is led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness himself for 40 days and 40 nights to be tempted by Satan. Did you know that our Savior knows what it's like to be alone? To be isolated? To be in a wilderness where you are so low that it's almost impossible to resist temptations? But Jesus never gave in. Jesus never lost control. Jesus, when he was in the wilderness, never associated that time to mean that God wasn't for him or with him. When we realize who is with us in the wilderness, we will see that no matter what our circumstances are, God sees potential. You see, as much as we like the clarity and that close feeling that we get to God on the mountaintops, or maybe we like the security and the safety of those everyday planes, friends, it is in the wilderness that we discover our great potential. It can be the place where priorities are revealed, where relationships are solidified, and in some cases, relationships need to be ended. In the wilderness, all the things that the world tells us are important, we suddenly realize they are not. Now, I have to be careful here because I do not want to sing songs to a heavy heart. I know some of you are in the midst of an awful wilderness right now, and I in no way want to minimize your pain or suffering by telling you, don't worry, even as bad as it is, it will get better. Or this is just going to make you stronger. If we can only hold on to one truth from this scripture, it is this, that in the wilderness, God is with us and for us. You see, I think our tendency is to do what Hagar did. After we've been wandering around for a while, we want to hide away in despair. We want to take those responsibilities and purpose, and we want to hide them under a bush. We decide that the wilderness The struggle is what is going to define us. Imagine with me what it would be like if instead we believed that God was right there next to us in our confusion and loneliness and pain. That we serve a God who actually chases after the broken. That when we are in the pit of disappointment and shame, God jumps right in with us. And even more, God is with us to remind us, you have potential. There is a purpose for your life. See, God makes sure Hagar knows that she is not alone, that there is no need to fear. And then God doesn't let her stay there. God tells Hagar, come, pick up your boy, hold him close to your chest, You see, I have plans for this boy, Hagar, to make out of him a great nation. You have lived, Hagar, being told what to do, 
a slave to a master, no voice, no direction. But this is not the end of your story. God reminds Hagar that even though she is in this wilderness, God is for her. And that even here, even here there is potential. The wilderness chapters of our stories, they are so painful and they feel awful. They feel unfair. And yet, may this story from Scripture remind us that even in the wilderness, or rather especially in the wilderness, there is potential for God to come to us and remind us of our purpose. It might require some redirecting in our lives. We might need to close chapters of our lives that we have wanted to close for a while. We might need to take steps towards becoming the person that we know God has wanted us to be. The wilderness is a place for new beginnings. Are you in a wilderness season? I want you to know your church is here for you. We are here to walk with you in that wilderness time. Oh, and I pray that today all of us might be able to see the possibility, to see the potential for God to remind us of our purpose, that even in the wilderness, God can do something great. May it be so in my life and in yours. Amen.